I'm Emma Judd and welcome to The League Cast, a podcast from The League Against Cruel Sports. Each month I'll be joined by friends and fellow campaigners to talk about all things animal. In this episode of The League Cast, I'm joined by Emma Savinsky, who is Director of Policy for the RSPCA. Welcome, Emma. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Nice to see you. Um, so just for the for listeners, I think probably everybody is aware of the RSPCA as an organisation um, and, and what you do for, for animals, large and small, um, in England and Wales. Um, a little bit about how you've become um, Director of Policy. What's, what's your background? I would say to people that I've actually had more of a career stumble than a career path, really. And I do feel incredibly fortunate to have ended up in this role. Um, I started out originally way back when training to be a dancer. And then I wanted to be a theatre director. And that took me to directing theatre in prisons and working in um, sort of rehabilitation and through the gate kind of services. And I got really frustrated with the way the prison that I was in was run in terms of the, the regime and the support it provided, which led me into my first campaigning efforts to try and get that changed. And then, oh my goodness, from there, I went to work in a number of different um, campaigning roles across disability rights and human rights, prison reform popped up again but also um, different ways of sort of using the arts to help people. And you might remember in in the 90s and early 2000s, there was a big move around sort of sentencing people to alternatives to prosecution um, and that being quite effective. Um, So I was part of that movement. Um, And then I went to work for the Paralympics um, to try and secure the sort of legacy from the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games for people with disabilities and then sort of somehow ended up in a fantastic campaigning job for an organisation called Compassion in Wild Farming. That was my first animal welfare job. That was in 2011. And it was like a light switch had been turned on in my head. So having moved from from issue to issue, from sector to sector, trying to um, help create a bit of social progress, I felt like I'd suddenly found my niche and the thing I really cared about beyond anything else. Um, so I was at Compassion for quite a long time in different roles. Also worked at World Animal Protection, went back to Compassion, mainly worked on issues like the use of cages in farming and use of or overuse of antibiotics in farming. Um, and also worked on campaigns around the use of animals in tourism and elephant rides and those kinds of things. And then I felt I've, I've had enough. I'm a bit burnt out. I've uh, sort of done as much as I can. And I'm going to move slightly outside of animal welfare because I'm sure it's the same for you, Emma. When you care about it so much, it, it is quite draining. So I went to work mm. for a, an anti-deforestation uh, organisation that do fantastic work. I lasted six months before animal welfare sucked me back in again into this role at RSPCA. So as I say, a bit of a career stagger or a career wander about rather than a career path. But I do feel like I have a very, very privileged position being director of policy for the RSPCA and I'm really determined to make the most of it. I I like that you call it a career stagger. I think probably quite a lot of people can probably... um, resonate with that especially people who've who've I don't want to say ended up in animal welfare but certainly who have um arrived here and then realized that actually it's the place for them which they may not have have really realized until they they joined um the league is really lucky to 
to work with a number of organizations that have um, sort of aligned aims. And the RSPCA is a major one of those, not only um, about hunting, but on all sorts of issues like animal welfare sentencing. Um, and in terms of greyhound racing as well, we were both at a conference um, the other weekend about that. Um, but specifically, um the RSPCA has joined our Time for Change Coalition Against Hunting, which is, I think there's more than 30 of us organisations all campaigning to see the Hunting Act strengthened. Um, can you give us an overview about where the RSPCA stands on, on fox hunting in particular? Mm. I think, uh, firstly, kudos to the League for pulling us all together in the, the Time for Change <laughs> Coalition. It's been, I'm sure, a mammoth task getting so many organisations round the table, but it's really galvanised action against fox hunting, which um, has been overdue in my view. And it it feels very exciting. It feels like there's momentum there, which is great. Um, the RSPCA has a, a long history um, of working against fox hunting. The RSPCA has a long history on everything because we've been around for 200 years. <laughs> um, but of course, we've been engaged with the issue right from the beginning through the Hunting Act and to where we are today. And our view, of course, is that the hunting of any wild animal for fun or for sport is completely unacceptable. Um, we do believe, and I know not everyone will agree with this, but we do believe that sometimes there is a rational case for wildlife to be managed. But where that does have to be done, and we would hope that would be very infrequently, it has to be done in the most humane way possible and only when every single other option has been thought about um, and excluded. And that would never, ever include, um, for example, the chasing of foxes for for fun. So we, we consider it abhorrent and really a, a stain on the British countryside that it's allowed to consider uh, to continue. Um, and I think for me, it's particularly relevant because I live in a very rural area. I'm in fact surrounded by um, hunting packs. And I see the difference mm. between those who are bloodhounding um, and perhaps getting the experience of riding horses quickly across countryside and, and enjoying a, a day out in that way versus those who are trail hunting or supposedly trail hunting. And I think that's really uh, what's brought the RSPCA to the table around the Time for Change Coalition is that we, we do not believe that trail hunting is trail hunting we believe that it's being used as a smokescreen to continue hunting foxes and we consider that to be unacceptable and as an organization that investigates and takes forward prosecutions the hunting act as it is currently is just unworkable and we we know that we hear it back from the police um our colleagues in the police force and we want to be able to you know really eradicate fox hunting which was the intention behind the hunting act so we, we want to get to the point where the Hunting Act is doing what it should be doing and preventing foxes from being hunted. What would you say the next government um, could do to to make the Hunting Act as strong as it could be? What what needs to happen? Mm. Well, the Time for Change Coalition has our, our list of asks in there. And really, it's about getting rid of the loopholes, the loopholes in the law that are being exploited by those who would like to continue hunting foxes. So I think, you know, there's a real case for looking at all of that, whether that's trail hunting and, and making that a banned sport, because we know it's, it is used as a smokescreen to disguise illegal hunting, 
whether that's um, around um, how we can really apply punishments and deterrence to what is being done. So if other animals are involved, for example, or if damage is done, how we can make um, that something that we can pursue through the law as well. So I think there's a whole a whole raft of things that can be done. But I think ultimately it's about upholding the law. It is illegal to hunt foxes and that's certainly the spirit and the intention behind the law. And what we have to do is eliminate every one of the loopholes that allows people to continue that sometimes illegally or sometimes by stretching the law to its its absolute nth degree to try and uh, hold this up as some kind of respectable pastime. But we all know that that's unacceptable. We know the public believes that as well, and we need to see that put into practice. That one of the one of the major things that the coalition is trying to do, um, bef- uh, well, until the Hunting Act itself is strengthened, is to um, to, to lobby landowners uh, to deny hunts access to their land. Um, we've seen the National Trust has obviously ended trail hunting on its land. Um, organisations like Natural Resources Wales, which is one of Wales's largest landowners, has done the same. Um, there are a number of, of organisations that have have come out and said actually no we won't um, allow trail hunting on our lands I think it's almost 2.5 million acres have been denied to hunting because um, landowners agree with with what you've said that actually trail hunting where um, hunts are supposedly following animal scents that are pre-laid um, actually is a smokescreen for them carrying on with old-fashioned illegal hunting as it's been described um, and now we're turning our attention as a coalition to national parks. Uh, Lake District National Park has already said, no, nope, we don't have hunt- trail hunting on our land. Um, other pa- national parks such as Exmoor and Dartmoor have said, actually, yep, we do license it and we'll continue to do so because it's a, a legal activity. Um, as the RSPCA is a coalition member, um, what's you know what would you say to, to those landowners that still license it? I think it's um, a case of considering the reality of what happens. And actually, there's a similar thing um, with the live exportation of animals for for fattening and slaughter, where we sometimes get stuck on the idea of, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with animals crossing a border. If the journey is very short, the fact they cross the border is immaterial. But the reality of that situation is that animals are travelling from um, the north of England or even Scotland, all the way down the country, across the Channel, and then down through France and sometimes into Spain. That's the reality of what's happening. So whilst theoretically there um, may be challenge to that, the absolute reality and the only reality in that instance is that animals are suffering. And that reality check is the one I'd ask those national parks or other landowners to be applying. Um, yes, trail hunting might be on the surface, the legal activity at the moment, but is what is happening on their land legal? Or is it, as we've discussed, being used as a smokescreen for illegal activity? Can they really reassure themselves that they know exactly what is happening and that the law is being complied with? And I think also national parks are a wonderful resources for the general public. They have a great sense of place and people feel a real passionate ownership over those national parks. And to be allowing what might be a smokescreen for really abhorrent activity, uh, you know, from my point of view, the risk would be too great. And unless I could hand on heart say I know exactly what is going on, 
which none of them would be able to do, then I think they they should be saying we don't want this activity happening on our land. And it's been really heartening to see how many are already responding to that request and saying, yep, we're not going to allow this anymore. You make a really good point about um, people having a sense of place when they go out into the countryside because, um, you know, those kind of destinations, the national parks, um, are not only just for tourists, people live there, people work there, people have their entire livelihoods there. And we've heard from so many people who don't resonate with hunts um, in the countryside. They can be their neighbours, they can be um, people they work with. But actually, the the countryside they know doesn't include hunting. Um, is is hunting outdated? Is it does it represent the countryside? Do you think? I think it is outdated. I think it's it's old fashioned to to use that term. I get really fed up with the kind of urban rural conversation around hunting. I'm a very rural person. I'm a horse rider. I own a horse. Um, I live at the foot of the South Downs and most, if not all of the people that immediately surround me would absolutely support the idea of tightening up the Hunting Act. Um, there are, of course, a minority who wouldn't agree with that, but they are such a minority, even in very rural settings, that I think the damage that is done both, of course, to the foxes themselves, but also potentially to um, to landscapes, to other animals, and the impact it has on people that live in the surrounding areas, I think will just make this an unacceptable practice and people really don't like it. And I think that the majority of people certainly that use national parks, either because they live there, they work there or they're visiting, would completely support this call that this is not an activity that should be happening on national park land. Happily, South Downs National Park is one of those that has said outright that trail hunting is not welcome on its land. Um, the next phase of the um, of the campaign is to see private landowners that have um, that have land within the national park boundaries also follow suit. Um, unlike in places like America, where national parks are owned by the National Park Authority, here in the UK it's slightly different, where nas- uh, the National Park Authority will own a certain amount of land, but actually the ma- vast majority of it is under private ownership, um, and that would include access rights, sporting rights. Um, and and so we have a job to do as a coalition to to ask those landowners to to follow suit to to not allow potential illegal activity to happen on their land um is there is there a message that you would give to them is it the same i think you rarely have an opportunity to do something as a as a citizen as an individual you rarely have the opportunity to do something that would have as much impact as someone saying i will not allow this to happen on my land and if we can build momentum behind that and one person becomes two, becomes three, 10 acres, becomes 20, becomes 100, becomes 1,000, then it's a real opportunity for people to shape the future of the country we live in and to say, I want this to be a country where the welfare of animals is prioritised and where the overwhelming consensus, which is that fox hunting has no place in modern British society, is acted upon so you know we have a people have a chance to get on the right side of history and do something really impactful so i hope people would answer 
that call and say, no, not not on my land, not in my space, not in my community. Thank you very much. And um, act on that by not allowing trail hunting on their land. Emma, thank you for, for joining us. If anybody wants to, to help in our coalition campaign to persuade the national parks to end hunting on their land, then they can go to uh, league.org.uk forward slash national parks. Um, and, you know, on behalf of the league and, and everybody, thank you very much to the RSPCA for being a massive part of, of this campaign and as part of the coalition as well. Um, you know, t- together we can really make our voice massively heard and hopefully get um, some change in parliament yeah absolutely thanks very much emma that's it from this month's episode we would love for you to get in touch on our social channels with any questions that you might have had though you can find us on facebook twitter or instagram by searching for the league against cruel sports please also make sure you subscribe to the league cast so you never miss a single episode 